Welcome to episode 45 of the Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. So John, how's it going? Not bad. Just got back from the the second pre-release. Well, half of the second pre-release that I did today. That's a bad sign. Eh, when you go when you go O2, there's like if I go if I proceed to go two O, I can win one extra pack, or I could just drop, take my bonus pack, come home and record a podcast. And that sounds good to me. Yeah, that seems like the better option, seeing as how you know this is something that we've been doing every single week since the end of time or the beginning of time. Yeah. The beginning of time, almost a year ago. Yep. Um, <laughs> I mean, and also it'll just kind of be a wash because tomorrow or you're gonna get stacks of packs when you crush two at a giant with me, right? Yeah, we have to try and make up for our failures last year or last time. We did. We did okay. One two. Maybe it was two two. No, we went two two. Yeah, we didn't do as good as I felt we should have. Well, we misjudged a lot of things about the format that I think now that we have a better understanding will help. Also, variance is a thing there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was actually one two. I think there because there was only eighteen. No, there. No, we won two games. I know we won two uh, games. I mean, yeah, and like, I'm pretty sure we lost two games too. So I, 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 I agree with you that variance played a factor, but I still feel as if we did not live up to our personal expectations and what one would expect from players of our caliber. Yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> Not the way you said it, though. <laughs> I was saying, by players of our caliber, I mean my skills and your luck. Hey, man. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Yes, as you've shown <laughs> on multiple occasions. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess some... Uh, you you've kind of brought up a topic for us here, so why don't you introduce this? All right, um, this this topic idea came to me um, due to a discussion on a deck uh, deck building forum about like control decks, and a guy was trying to say that like he really liked the idea of like a Sultai control list because then you get to play green for Carnage Tyrants. Yeah, this is Ixalan block. Yeah. Well, spoilers, it's on Arena there. <laughs> yeah. We only have Ixalan. Alright, yeah. continue. So, but either either way, right, he wanted to play Carnage Tyrant in his control deck because in his, like, he, in his opinion, Carnage Tyrant was a very good finisher. Like, because it's extremely difficult to interact with. It's like a three-turn clock, assuming your opponent doesn't have anything, and yada, yada, yada. And, like, I was trying to explain to the guy that um, that's just not how you need to approach deck building, right? Like, the things you gain from being Esper are so much more than you gain from being Sultai, because you're literally losing all of the beneficial cards in white, and all you're gaining is Carnage Tyrant. Mm-hmm. And like, and what and what is Carnage Tyrant, John? Uh, unplayable garbage. <laughs> <laughs> as Fletcher, more on that, more on that later. Yeah, as Fletcher <laughs> finds to be really hilarious my sheer hatred of that card. It's so. <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're gonna go off on the rails a little bit here. So, you at one time basically said, and I don't know how much hyperbole was involved with it, but 
you one time said you're like, I have never legitimately lost that card. Like you, you're like, I have never lost because that card was Carnage Tyrant. It could have been any other creature beating me down. You're like, I've lost to it, but it could have literally been, you know, a six, six hitting me and I would have died with no other text. Yeah. And, and so from my experiences, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Like that, like, <laughs> like, like the times I've lost that card, it's been, it's, it's like, it literally doesn't matter that it's a Carnage Tyrant. It could have been, it could have been a a, a five five just attacking me, and I would have lost. Like any creature would have killed me, and you know, like it's just funny with the decks I played. Like I I kind of thought you were like really going off the rails there, but no, like I am my my limited sample size supports you. Yeah, I am I am ex- I am using no hyperbole whatsoever when I say that. Like it is it is an on mm-hmm. like I'm being completely honest, right? Like I don't die because it's a carnage tyrant i die because you know i never saw a gear hulk or i never saw a scarab god it's like mm-hmm. like i die because i ran out of ways of interacting with my opponent and like the things that allow me to continue interacting with my opponent are the are torrential gear hulk it, they are scarab god like scarab god is how i beat dinosaur decks like it doesn't matter if my opponent has a burning sun's avatar or if my opponent has a carnage tyrant because it's like it's still a big old creature that's difficult for me to interact with i only have so much mm-hmm. removal in my deck that can deal with big creatures yeah okay so so that tangent so yeah. you were talking with this person about why carnage tyrant sucks yeah and like not really but tldr basically what it amounts to and it's like and it's like yep. i i had like this big long explanation to him as to like why it's just not worth doing what you're doing. And the guy's response was literally, well, I just want to play with Carnage Tyrant because it's powerful. And, like, it sparked this whole thing in my head about, like, the mindset of how people need to play control and succeed with it in a semi-competitive or really any environment, honestly. And, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people just don't seem to fully understand and appreciate that like you you don't play control the same way you play a normal deck mm, this is true and something i have been learning a lot <laughs> yeah like <laughs> um the biggest like the it's something that i i very much firmly believe and it's something that i will tell people if they ask me like um any game any deck you play in magic like, whether it's combo, whether it's aggro, whether it's mid-range, like, tempo, your goal is to win that game, right? Yeah. Every single game, you're trying to win. Control doesn't do that. The goal of a control deck is not to win a game, it is to never lose that game. (laughs) It it reminds me of, like, like, I'm going to go way off the rails here, but it's like the episode of next generation where like uh data ends up playing against this like there's this like game or something and this like grandmaster of it shows up and he and he plays it and the guy keeps beating him mm-hmm. and then like near the near the end of the episode he realizes that he he changes his tactic to instead of trying to win the game he changes his tactic to not lose the game and just like in magic eventually the guy just gets pissed off and gives up yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the not losing thing always just makes me think of that. Yeah, like it's 
obviously like you're you're not gonna go to that degree like uh mo from my experience most people will Don't lie <laughs> well from my experience most people in paper magic or on magic online they will never just concede to you mm -hmm. they will make you play it out because they still have outs right like going to time and drawing is better in some people's eyes than conceding to the control deck um timing you out on magic online is better than conceding to the control deck so like so you have to play a little you know obviously like you can't literally just make them concede against you in um uh normal magic but it's something like it's still it's still what you need to play towards if that is your goal like if you're mm -hmm. it's it's what you need to play towards if you are playing a control deck yeah so um something that kind of plays towards that uh this is where um this is like kind of where the whole carnage tyrant thing stems from is there you only have so much room in a deck and control decks need a lot of very specific things in that deck and so as a result of that there's almost no room for like very linear one-dimensional cards at least in the main deck right it's so, like mm -hmm. everything you play in your deck needs to be versatile it needs to be card advantage or it needs to be both um yeah yeah it's really it it was really funny when we were building that esper control deck how tight things got like i mean we're, we're we're sitting there shaving what you know well we can shave down from you know four to three of this card because we wouldn't play five of it and you know <laughs> and you know we want one of these well we want this card though too but is it better than two of this card or you know and it's really weird like how you're trying to find this exact like the space gets really tight. And if there's ever an argument for a deck to play 61 cards, a control deck is the place for it. Absolutely. Like, more than any other deck. Like, a control deck is the deck that I'm always... Not that you should. <laughs> should. Like, it's always... It, like, it's just... It is mathematically not worth it. But it's always one of those things, yep. like, man, I could just toss in an extra Supreme Will, and life is just so much better for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's where the whole I trim a land every deck comes into play. <laughs> Yeah, which is a little greedy, yeah, but okay. Whatever, right? But like, you know, like a good example of all these things is like the versatility aspect is um like disallow is a counterspell, but it's a versatile counterspell, right? Like mm -hmm. counterspells as a whole are actually very versatile cards. Because counterspells can deal with creatures, they can deal with non non creatures like and while like yes, I can, like in most people's minds like oh you're just countering <laughs> spell that's all it's doing. The difference between Essence Scatter, Negate, and Cancel is very, very big. Yeah. Like more than people realize. There's a reason why Essence Scatter and Negate only cost two mana and Cancel doesn't. Because the versatility yeah. of Cancel being able to counter anything is very, very relevant. And to that, that same degree, Disallow is also extremely relevant because it's just another level of something it's able to do. Like, being able to counter an activated ability is extremely relevant, especially in this format. Yeah, that's a really good ability. 
and like you know just continuing on with like the standard aspect of stuff like you know supreme will falls into the same category of it's a mm -hmm. relatively powerful counter spell at three mana where it can counter anything unless they have four extra mana obviously but if you if it's not good enough counter spell or you don't need a counter spell it also allows you to dig through your deck for a card that is more beneficial for you at that time so mm -hmm. like it yeah it's not card advantage but it effectively improves the the quality of your hand, right? Um, board wipes also fall into this category of, like, they're either... At the worst, a board wipe is one-for-one one removal. At best... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, at best it can be, like, uh, you know, a six-for-one or something like that. Yeah. Uh, or better, yeah. I think, I think a mistake a lot of people make um, is they sit on that board wipe way too long trying to get the two for one out of it or the three for one or, or whatever. And instead of going this, this stupid two, two is beating me to death and I need to do something about it. Like that feels bad. But when you're at like six life and a two, two's poking you to death, it's like fine. Just like, cast the wrath of God, right? like just cast the wrath of God and, and, and go with it. Like, I feel like there's been a number of games, um, that I've lost because I held on to, I, I feel like I've lost more games because I have held on to my set of the wreckages too long instead of cat, instead of cast them too early. Probably like it's a, I, I mean, I've done both, yeah. but it's like, I, I feel like if I had to skew it one way, it is, it's a very big thing that people need to learn, which is the timing on when you need to cast your board wipes. And yeah, I wish I could tell people exactly when they should cast their board wipe, <laughs> but it's literally something that, like, you need to learn it. You need to learn, like, the format defines that, your opponent even defines that to a degree, and what you plan on doing for each subsequent turn defines when you should be casting your board wipes. I mean, that's the thing that's so difficult about, about playing a control deck, though, Yeah, is that... Is that it's like okay? I have a board wipe. Well, when should you use a board wipe? Mm -hmm. Well, there's no there's no single answer. You don't just say you use a board wipe here. It's you know what do you have in your hand? What do you have on the field? What does you know what does your opponent have on the field? How how have they been attacking? How have they been playing cards out? How many cards do they have in their hand? What you know? There's there's all these things that go into making that decision, and you know it's it, you can't just say here is the test for it. This is when you should do it. You know, it's there's so much, so much feel, so much intuition, and so much just like processing of what's what's going on that needs to go into it before you can just before you can even kind of decide to make that choice. Yeah, like control decks are like the first deck archetype that I've played since Twin that can actually hold my attention for long periods of time. It's like. <laughs> You never win a game with a control deck where you just steamrolled your opponent and it's they could literally do nothing, right? Like, there's very few like that, few. if any. Like, I suppose it's not like they never happen. Like there, there definitely are those times where, like, you know, you're just clearly, you know, you like you just yeah. hit everything perfect, yada yada yada. But like, yeah, they they mold a five and they yeah they kept a sketchy one and then your first turns turn play is turn three and you just counter it and then kill everything after that like yeah sure but, but those don't happen all the time but the thing is like even with games like that it's 
if you're playing a true control deck, it is almost impossible for you to pressure your opponent to a degree to punish someone for a mulligan to five, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, if your opponent mulligans to five and they don't do anything and you just, like, turn five scarab, god, you die. Like, sure, that can happen. But, like, it is... There are two Scarab Gods and three Torrential Gearhulks in my current standard deck. I have five actual ways of closing out the game in out of 60 cards. And it is very possible <laughs> that those cards will all be in the bottom half of my library. Like, I like control decks by default give your opponent time to draw out of mana screw, to, to like draw out of mana flood, to, you know, make up for the fact that they mulligan into oblivion because you don't have the ability to pressure them. And, like, the reason why there's the, there you have those games with some people who play control where it's like it just seems like they just like they couldn't lose no matter what they did is because like the correct plays and actions are already so ingrained in their mind from having you know they just understanding what they need to do to where it just does look easy like I, I'm not trying to, like, you know, like toot the horn of everyone who plays control and yada yada yada. Because don't get me wrong. Yeah, you are. Like, don't just don't lie. There are bad control players. <laughs> Trust me. There's plenty of them. They drive. Come watch me play control. <laughs> <laughs> they drive me up a goddamn wall. But it's like you know, control is just like understanding control and understanding formats. It is you get the most out of it the more you play it. And like while that is very true for all decks like the more you play a deck the more you learn the deck there's always going to be a plateau with every deck and there really is mm -hmm. no plateau with a control deck because formats are constantly changing which means your actions need to change with them right does that make any sense yeah it does like I was just gonna say, I think one of the most difficult things I found about playing a control deck that I've been learning here is is self control. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I said I, I talked about the board wipes here. They're just saying you need to snap off those board wipes sometimes, but like, it's really hard to play a control deck and just sit there and go draw a card. My opponent did nothing. We both have blank boards. Pass the turn. Yep. <laughs> Even though it's like, I could play this card that's in my hand. I could cast this card. And it would pressure the game. But the correct answer is to just do nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's really hard, man. Well, it's like, it's it's another, it's a very, it's a very similar line of thinking in regards to, like, you know, casting a board wipe and stuff is, like, using your life total as a resource is the most important thing you can possibly do while playing a control deck. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's very difficult for people to do, right? Like, if your opponent goes, like, um, Regisaur Alpha, give yeah. it haste, swing for seven, you don't want to take seven. Like, Taking, that feels sad. Like, it feels bad to take seven when you're staring at a set of the wreckage in your hand. But it's like, I know next turn that my opponent's going to play their other Regisaur Alpha and swing with everything. Yeah. And I can just blow them out. Yeah, it's like, or, you know, maybe they'll play a Carnage Timer the next turn, right? Yep, and then you just you just hammer the whole thing. Yeah, like, sometimes you just kind of have to take one for, you know, take a third of your life total for the team, as it were, and just try and get that little bit of extra, because, you know, that's that's how you stabilize. Yeah, and it's... that was one of the things that was easy for me, funny enough. 
I think it's because of all like because I played a lot of Legacy Burn and loved Flame Rift. <laughs> my, my four points of life are worth way less than your four points of life. It's like just I'm like, come on, man! I was like, I just gotta win this game at one point of life. I don't even care. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, like it's that's that's the thing though, right? Like with a control deck, mm-hmm. you only need like you end the game at one point of life, you still won the game. Oh matters, yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's not about winning. It's about not losing. All you need is exactly one point of life in your in your life total and one card in your library. Sometimes mm-hmm. zero, but. Sometimes, sometimes zero, depending on the game slash deck. <laughs> but yeah, so what uh, what else do you you have here? What are we? What are we? What other things are we looking for with a control deck? So, along the lines of all cards need to be versatile or versatile, versatile, versatile. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, That's not getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the win cons like this is where like the whole carnage tyrant thing comes into play, right? Carnage tyrant mm-hmm. is a terrible win con in a control deck. So we're past the days of Sarah Angel just being the card we want. Yes, right and no. Actually, if we had Sarah Angel, we would slam it in that deck of yeah, ours. I would rather play For... Sarah Angel as a win con than Carnage Tyrant as a win con. Because sure, I agree, yeah. The fact that Sarah Angel has flying and vigilance means it's pressuring your opponent and protecting your life total. That is still versatility. Like it's. Doing... I mean, it's one of the reasons why Vona is so good in that deck of ours. Yeah, like it's doing two things at once. Like this comes mm-hmm. from another concept that um, Patrick Chapin touches on in some of his articles. It's called Bane Slayers versus Ball Drifters. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to, like, what should you be playing as a win con in your deck? Like, Bane Slayer ends the game quickly, it's difficult to interact with, and it gains you life. <laughs> but, it can only attack or it can only block. It can't do yeah. two things. Mm-hmm. Mold Drifter also, also costs 5 mana. It's only a 2-2 flyer instead of a 5-5 flyer. But it draws you two cards when it enters the battlefield. Oh, I know the one I want. Yeah, like... <laughs> I know this sounds really weird, but Mold Drifter is the better win con in a control deck. Because even if your opponent mm-hmm. deals with it, even if you have to trade it off for something, you're still up two cards. Mm-hmm. Like, it is card advantage. Gear Hulk falls under the same category. Like, the fact that it gets the flashback and instant in your graveyard for free, and the fact that it has flash, which means you can probably eat one of your opponent's stacking creatures, is one of the most relevant... Like, that Gear Hulk being a magic card is why Azur, the Lawbringer, is unplayable in control decks. Like, pure and simple. They're both competing for the same slot. One of them has yep. freaking Sphinx's Revelation attached to it. But... And it's not good enough. Yeah, like, <laughs> Azure the Lawbringer, has, you have a chance of casting it, and it immediately dies. And you got mm-hmm. nothing for it. Gear Hulk, yeah. as long as it enters the battlefield, you at least get the flashback card. Either a removal spell, or a draw spell, or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scarab God also falls under this category, the same category as Gear Hulk, because you can either wait to cast until you have 9 mana, so you get the two abilities, or the fact that the only way to deal with it is to exile it, or it comes back. It basically never dies. Yeah, like it never <laughs> dies. It is an infinite chump blocker. 
Like, I did the same thing with the Locust God deck before, where, like, I just... My, I kept chump locking my opponent's Bristling Hydra over and over and over. It was, like, an 11-10. But he couldn't give a trample. He didn't have any other threats. And eventually, I just kept getting back the Locust God. I cast it, and I was able to cycle it at one point. I was able to cycle it, didn't play at one point, chump lock with a Locust, and untap with the Locust God, and cast a pull from tomorrow for uh, X equal 9 or whatever, like, uh, no, six, eight, seven. X equals seven. I just, I drew seven, got seven locusts, and killed my opponent. Like, yep. Like, the, like, you know, so the gods are also very good control finishers. Um, Aetherling also falls under this category due to the fact that it had the ability to blink itself, means you could both attack and block with it. Like, you attack with it unblockable, pump it, blink it, block your opponent's creature that's attacking it, and then if it's going to die, use Blink it again. Like, it allows you to abuse any excess mana you have, and it just puts your opponent on this huge clock. And, like, <laughs> just it being unblockable isn't good Isn't good enough for it becoming yep. a control finisher. It's the fact that you could also Blink it to, to gain card advantage with it. Like, you know, make your opponent waste stuff. And this is also why a lot of control decks... Uh, tend to play a lot of planeswalkers. Like, mm-hmm. um, look at like Elspeth's son's champion. She, she's a six mana planeswalker that comes down and can immediately clear every powerful creature in play. Yep. Dead board wipe, and then she just starts taking up and making a crap ton of tokens, and eventually she ultimates, <laughs> and you just kill your opponent with it. Like, Ashiok is barely good enough to be a control finisher. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, because I absolutely adore Ashiok. Yeah. But, like, Ashiok is still card advantage, because, like, you play her on three, she comes down so early, she's so hard to pressure, and you can just cast your opponent's creatures you exile with her. And, like, that is still card advantage. Like, you're able to, you're attacking your opponent from multiple angles. So, how do you feel about him, uh, a deck I've played against a number of times on uh, is, uh, like a red, red-white control deck that uses uh, Hwatli as one of its win conditions. I, I, am not a huge fan of the deck. Mm-hmm. Like, I get what they're doing, because like the reason why that deck is good is it plays zero creatures. Like, Basically, it the only creature it has is the token made off of Hwatli. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it dodges all the removal and stuff like that. Like, my biggest issue with it is the fact that the deck is forced to play a lot of, like, pseudo-do-nothings. And it has very little... <laughs> yeah. It has very little way of, like, filtering its draws to actually get to what it needs to get to. Like, it mm-hmm. has no source of true card advantage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I get what it's doing. I think it's a little too cute... And I don't think it really has like a lot of staying power, but as of right now, whatever. It beats us. <laughs> I don't think it should. It can. <laughs> it definitely can. Like they, it does have some draws that are just pseudo unbeatable. Because I mean, like, it really comes down to like you know who draws what in what order and who needs to do what, like. It almost universally comes down to Ixalan's Binding. Who's forced to cast one first? Yeah, either Ixalan's Binding or um, uh, 
that dumb life gain spell that we play. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Re- I can't remember what it's called. Sanguine sacraments. Ah, uh, yes, that that piece of crap. That card is amazing. I'm mad that we have to play that card. I am too, but it's it's still really good in the format. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's insane in the format, actually. But okay. Sorry for that derailment, but it's all good. I just wondered. Yeah, I was just I was just checking to see how you felt about that planeswalker in particular. Like, yeah, I I don't like like the problem with Wadley is she doesn't check any of the boxes necessary to be good in a control deck. Okay. Because all she is is a five. She's five mana, right? Something like she's, that. She's a five mana three three with trample every turn. Mm-hmm. Like, she's cut barely removal because she comes in at three. And you can't take her up with a clear board. And like... I, I mean, you can, but... Like, there's no reason to tick her up to gain three life when you can just keep pumping up three threes with her. Which means that like, yeah. she can only ever, you know, deal three damage divided, which isn't good enough, right? So like, she's mm-hmm. fi- she's a five mana arc lightning, which is not good enough in this format. Or she's a five mana three three, which is not necessarily good enough in this format. Like... I feel like that deck is completely reliant on the existence of Settle the Wreckage. Mm-hmm. And like, if... Like, by that metric, I don't think that deck can actually beat, like, a well-built Pirates deck. Or a well-built Merfolk deck. Although I'm starting to believe there's no such thing as a well-built Merfolk deck. <laughs> Maybe. I think that deck beats all the decks that we beat. Or I think that deck loses to all the decks that we can beat, basically. Yes. I don't. I don't and then know. just can, and then just has a, has a decent amount of game against us because it's a control deck and doesn't do anything, and most of our cards are dead then too. Uh-huh. And it can go right to, and it can go right to our face. Yeah, the fact that almost all of its removal is burn based, and the most recent iterations of that deck that I've seen have become a, have just started becoming a pure land destruction deck is just the most infuriating thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> I hate land destruction. I hate land destruction dedicated decks. They're fun to play like once, but they're almost universally like land destruction is like a pseudo control archetype, right? Mm-hmm. But you're doing it in such a way that you're basically saying, I don't have the skill to beat you legitimately. So I'm going to hope you miss a land drop, and then I proceed to destroy every land you have in play, and you just never get to play Magic. Like, land... It's like, I'm I'm just going to extra punish variants on you. Yeah, right? Like, you're basically hoping your opponent already gets hosed. Like, and this is only, like, for standard legal land destruction, really, because, like... In modern, it's a little different. Like, there is the Red Green Ponza list that has its own little error. Like, it has its own little following. But being able to cast a turn two Stone Rain is so much different than, like, a turn three or four Demolish. Yeah. And, like, when you're literally just all in, like, when you're literally main decking four Demolish and for whatever the black card is, destroy target land, its owner loses two life. Like, when you're main decking eight of those cards, how do you ever beat an aggro deck? Like, how do you beat a deck that goes turn one, Siren Stormcaller into turn two, Fathom Fleet Captain? 
you just die. Like, you're not beating <laughs> that. <laughs> and I just don't yeah, get it, right? Much. Like, <laughs> like you're just hoping that your opponents have mana issues, and you're hoping to win from there. And that's just not how it's like. They're I trying to get. Win. It's like they're trying to get free wins, John. I know, and it's terrible. <laughs> I was hoping you'd tilt out about free wins, but okay. I, like, here's the thing, right? I, <laughs> in modern, I've been, ex- I have only been playing my Kiki Evolution deck for months now. I main deck two Blood Moons and a Magus of the Moon with the ability to tutor said Magus of the Moon on turn two. Uh-huh. I play a deck that can just sometimes, that can sometimes just give me free wins. Yep. The difference, like, I, the difference is, is that you're playing the deck, and not like that, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I don't like I'm I there. There's a real argument that I'm basically being a hypocrite in regards to decks that want free wins because I'm playing a deck uh-huh. that can quotations give me free wins. But uh-huh. the thing is, I'm pl- like I've win way more games with that deck where I never play a Blood Moon. Or I I actively board them out all the time because like there are like if I there are multiple situations where if I play a blood moon it's actually detrimental I have lost because of my own blood moon before and it's like the thing is I don't need blood moon to win I'm not relying on blood moon to win blood moon and magus of the moon are just sometimes like it's just something I can do and sometimes I get my opponent if I do sweet I'm gonna go buy a Pepsi and if I don't <laughs> Whatever, I'm gonna beat you to death with with voice of resurgence tokens. Uh, like, it's, I mean, I played an I played an entire deck that was revolved around Blood Moon, so I won't talk too much. Yeah, it's like, it's like there's the whole like you know everyone who plays Blood Moon is basically only playing it to try and mana screw their opponent. It's like, yeah, that's basically why you put Blood Moon in your deck. You want to punish people who are being greedy. That's just a fact, right? <laughs> It's, it, the, we, I play Blood Moon because I can't play Price of Progress in Modern. Yeah. <laughs> God, I would love Price of Progress in Modern. Sorry. <laughs> How the hell did we get on this tangent from Control Decks? I said something about free runs. But okay, <laughs> so talk about a Control Deck then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, something that... Uh... Segue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A, a nice, a nice thing to like, just kind of like prove the point about my whole philosophy on control decks. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners played back then, probably like zero. But the purest like idea of a control deck or control <laughs> control deck <laughs> Freudian slip <laughs> you know, control deck ever made, and like I'm just gonna say I hated this deck i hate this deck to this day like i think this deck was bullshit i think it was stupid but i respect the shit out of it because it did everything a control deck wants to do and that was theros standard blue white control specifically the version that its only way of winning was Elixir of Immortality. <laughs> and you would wait for your opponent to naturally deck themselves. 
Oh, man. This deck was super obnoxious. It was the, like, so many people tried to play this deck, and, like, it made FNM miserable, because you're just going to time. Because, like I said, no one wants to just concede to the lock, right? They are, like, mm -hmm. I can draw out of it, right? Because, like, this deck's literal strategy was to win game one eventually and never lose game two. <laughs> like, this is the purest <laughs> I will not lose this game deck ever made. Like, you're just a bad person like, if you play this deck, right? It was a thing of beauty. I'm like, I want to like, play this deck, like, once. Like, but, like, you're just a bad person, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, th like this is almost to, like, the level of, like, of, like playing um, a bad person playing Lantern Control, right? You're just trying to screw your opponent. Or, like, someone who's, like, who's, like, their goal is to go, like, turn one Chalice of the Void. Or, like, yeah. turn one, like, like, like Shops. <laughs> Shops players, like, smokestacks, those kind of decks, right? Like, your goal is to not, like, is to just, like, crush the will to live out of your opponent. This would do it. But, God damn, this makes your grind clock decks look like freaking aggro decks. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing about my grind clock deck, right? My grind clock was a two of in my sideboard for this matchup. I really wish we had grind clock. I wish we had grind clock. <laughs> God, I miss Grind Clock. But Grind Clock only ever came in against other control decks because it was a difficult to interact with threat. And decking your opponent is a perfectly viable option. It's an option of some sort. The best part was when you actually milled their Elixir of Immortality. And like, they, like, like the realization dawns on their face that there's nothing they can do to get out of this. And you're like... <laughs> Like, uh, feels so good, man. Feels so good. But yeah, like, uh, like, th like I said, like this deck is like the whole the whole thing comes down to like you need to play, you need to build your deck with the goal of not losing. You need to play your deck with the goal of not losing. Everything you do needs to stem from you wanting to extend this game as long as you possibly can. As long as you possibly can. I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm not, I'm not going to the point of, like, you know, you have lethal on board, but you don't attack your opponent. Like, sometimes the best way of not losing is winning. Yeah, like, sometimes you just end up winning, like, as, as dumb as that sounds. Like, putting pressure on your opponent makes them, you know, what I found sometimes is that with the, 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 the deck I've been playing, is, like, sometimes I just play out one of my dumb win cons that isn't very good. And I can get a couple hits in it, but the thing is, is my opponent has to invest something in that yep. because it's putting pressure in them. So either I'm extending the game or I'm closing out the game. Yeah, like there's it's something that a lot of like you can't just take this to the infinite, you know, degree. Like you do, like especially with like modern decks, like almost every deck has some form of reach. And mm -hmm. outside of the elixir of immortality, blue white deck, you will eventually run out of answers. So, like, yeah. sometimes you just do need to turn that corner and kill your opponent. And that's where, like, mm -hmm. that's something that a lot of people need to realize, like, when they need to do that. Like, don't take what I'm saying too far to the point of where you're like, well, I'm just going to, you know, play nothing but Sanguine Sacraments and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> like, 
Eventually, you'll I die. Mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure every time we've gotten down to just Sangreen Sacrament in our deck, in the deck, I've won. That was that's just good deck building on our part. That's a little different. I mean, when you're when your like backup slash primary strategy is, I'm just going to draw my entire deck basically over time. Use search for Ascanta to keep looping and find Sangreen Sacrament until it's the last card of my deck, and I'll just keep playing that for like eighteen. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, I mean, just, we'll do it. It's just good deck building. And then you just sit there and gain 20 life a turn until your opponent loses the will to live. <laughs> or or draws or draws their deck out. Yeah. Good deck building. Good deck building. Best deck building. It makes me mad that strategy does, even though it's the correct one. It's just because it's so exceptionally boring. Oh, it sucks to play. Like... It's one of but it's so effective. But it's so effective. How does a dinosaur opponent beat that? They don't. <laughs> like, like if you, like if you've got the lock that far in the game, and you've been like blowing up all their stuff, and and you know, binding their crap out and stuff. It's like, it's like okay, I'm down to one card. I'm at seventy life, and yeah, okay, cool. Play your Carnage Tyrants because they're unplayable garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't gonna lose to that card anytime soon. Thank you for no. much. Oh, you, you attack me for seven. Gain 20. <laughs> uh, the epiphany but... that that was the card that was needed. And I'm pretty sure we were uh, we were above the curve on that one also. We actually were a little bit above the curve on that one. Or ahead of the curve, rather, not above the curve. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Ahead of, we were a little bit ahead of the curve on that. We were ahead of the curve by, like, a week, maybe. Yeah. But it's like, do we I guess that's all. Like, basically, basically, people were saying it's like basically all you see is um, dinosaur decks and sanguine sacrament control decks that don't do anything. So, except I think most people are playing red, uh, red, white. Yeah, they switched that slow cooker BS. Yeah, but because why? All right. Why try and outskill your opponent when you can just destroy all their lands? <laughs> Don't be salty. I, I'm 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 perfectly reasonable. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's okay. actually a guy that I I play against like almost every like every pre-release I get paired up against him, and every mm-hmm. like first draft that happens in the drafts drafts set that comes out I play against him. I have like only once ever not had mana issues against him. And I won that one time. Like, every single time. It's like, I'm just never going to see a black source. Who needs black sources in my five black cards in my hands? Oh, I'm just going to do nothing but draw a bunch of lands. Look at these 11 lands I haven't played in my 16 land deck that I'm playing. (laughs) Feature, not a bug. Yeah, still really annoying when it always happens with the same person. And, like, like, I'm not even, like, implying that the guy cheats. I know he doesn't. He doesn't even cut my deck. Right? Yeah. Like, it's just you just lose yourself. It's just like I'm just like, all right, whatever. This <laughs> game. Uh, I mean, I did have a 75% win rate against you at one time. You did. Well, official win, a 75% win rate against me. The, the win rate that matters. Yeah. But so variance, I guess you know some of some of that's a thing. Yeah. Oh. But. All right. 
I think we hit that pretty good for today. So, John, you got anything else? All right. I have a magic-related question for you, kind of. Not about cottage cheese? <laughs> it's been a while, and I'm currently out of cottage cheese. I ate it all last night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I right. like cottage cheese, all right? It's, I l- is, is it actually curdled milk? How do you make I don't this? know. We're, we're not talking about cottage cheese right now. Okay. <laughs> you brought this up. All right. So, this is something that gets brought up. A lot on another podcast I listen to. Okay. I don't even know why I listen to the podcast. Half the time I just feel like the people on it are wrong, but I still enjoy it for some reason. Um, Magic the Gathering trophies. Specifically okay. the Pro Tour and Worlds. Okay. These people, or mainly one person, hates the new trophies. Like, okay. they hate the weird little, like, talony thingy on the Pro Tour one. They think the the world's trophy looks like jello, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they've literally said the phrase, the new trophies all look stupid and the same. They should go back to cups. Okay. I don't know if you noticed the weird little... I don't know if... I don't even remember if oxymoron is the right word. I'm, like, half coherent tonight, apparently. There's a logical disconnect there, yeah, I like will say. All of, all of them look the same. Go back to cups. Like, yes, okay. what is your opinion on the Magic the Gathering trophies? Me? Yeah. I've seen them, like, three times. Honestly, I don't care. Like, I really don't. It's, it's a trophy. It's not for me. I'm never going to touch one of those trophies. I'll, like... The trophy could be a dog turd with a plaque on it. I wouldn't care. But if I won one, I'd be super proud of my dog turd with a plaque on it. <laughs> and I wouldn't even care. And I would display my dog turd with a track on it. Plaque on it. Like, I... Like, literally, it does not matter for me. Like, I, I really don't. Because... So, my opinion of it is is that... I, like, for me, personally... As I said, I don't interact with them that much. Mm-hmm. It's like I see it every once in a while, and I think that Jello. Actually, I think I recall the Jello trophy. Um, it's my suit. And I get where it, it looks like I, a torch. I get where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one looks kind of cheap and weird, but um, I don't know. Like the the object itself does not matter to me. The emotion and attachment I would have to that object is what matters. Mm-hmm. But I tend to abstract things a little differently like that. Like I, I tend to relate to things with emotion more so than I relate to things with like an aesthetic judgment or something like that. Like that's, that's very similar to my opinion on the whole thing. It's like, so like, well, f- first point I completely understand why Watsi decided to start doing non-cup trophies. Because here's right. the thing. Of, so I'll get serious in a second here after you're done. Then right. okay. So like, here's the <laughs> thing about cups: they're boring as shit, and nothing yes. about them specifies Magic: The Gathering. Like, there are so many things mm-hmm. out there that give you a cup, 
And all that it, matters, could, it could be a damn bowling trophy. Yeah, probably, like, no. that's, it literally could be a bowling trophy, and you're not going to know unless you read the plaque, right? And I like, mean, for a while there with their budget, maybe it was that they just scraped the plaque off. <laughs> and, like, you know, like, the world's trophy does look a little too plastic for me. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's just, like, the I don't know if it's actually metal and it's just, like, the chrome makes it look that way, or, like, how the gemstones that are the color mana things work and all that stuff like i think it looks a little plastic i actually kind of like the little swoopy thing on the pro tour trophy like the little orange talony looking thing because like it's like mm-hmm. it's encompassing the magic the gathering symbol underneath it and i, I kind of like that and it's it's small enough that it would fit really well on a mantle i don't own a mantle i would buy a mantle if i had a freaking trophy right <laughs> like uh... that's something that is like super sweet yeah. And like the whole like magic needs to evolve and it like having a trophy that looks weird is still more eye catching than a cup. Yep. So alright. Sarah's business time. Um I'm gonna get into my if I if I ran things stuff. Okay. Uh so first off, they should not do cups, period. I agree hundred percent. Mm-hmm. It's too samey. You need to create an identity. That's a big thing. Um, if magic wants to be taken seriously as a sport of some type, you need to have something like you can't just give people cups, basically, unless people are associating that cup in some manner. Like it has to, it has to be something you want it to be something that identifies your brand. Um, that said, I, I actually had to look them up just to recall like <laughs> what they were and everything. Um, that said, I think they do need to increase the quality of them. Yes. Um, they need to look better, like especially the world's one. Like, so let me just say this: I like the design. I don't like the implementation. Yeah. Like I do like how they look with the like the you know all that stuff and blah 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 yeah um yeah like you know like but i like the gemstone it looks plastic it looks yeah. plastic yeah. as you said though and that is a problem and the thing is is if you want the if you want worlds to be taken seriously you want that thing to look awesome mm-hmm. um i think going simpler actually is probably the better choice in a lot of ways like i feel like there's something incredibly impressive about a simple trophy Mm-hmm. like uh, and and maybe i'm weird like that but like but like think of like you know like the super bowl the lombardi trophy like it's a football on a you know chunk of something like it's a football on a stick basically like it's super simple but the thing is is that it looks Football. It looks solid. It looks solid and imposing, if that makes sense. Yeah. You instantly know what it is. You instantly know what it is by looking at it. Yeah. But that simplicity has an imposingness to it, and I think I think something like I don't think you want to do something like that. But I think a, a simplicity like that is beneficial to some degree. I'm not a design person, but yeah. Um, yeah. Like again, I think I think it's execution is all that needs to change. Maybe in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, you know, like, they, they're they just trying to, like, incorporate all their own brand stuff into it, right? Like, you know... The, <laughs> and, I, and, I gr- and I agree they should. Yeah. But it's incorporate like, a lot of it, yeah. 
do it in a slightly different manner. Mm-hmm. That like that plane that planeswalker symbol needs to be in there. Yeah, planeswalker symbol needs like to that be there. needs to be in there. I even if it's just like an obelisk with that etched onto like with that like in you know etched onto it and like black or something like that, mm-hmm. like simple like that. Well, that's like, something that I really like from um, like StarCraft Two did this a lot, where like there's mm-hmm. a certain uh, tournament series where like all the trophy was. I'm pretty sure it was actually just like a a plastic resin, but it just looked like this glass pillar that was yep. like um, uh, faceted side, so it was flat, and it yep. just had like the name of it on there, and it was like acid etched, so it was just like you know, like a it was a white mm-hmm. on clear, and like I really yep. like those trophies, and like I understand that they want to have a little bit of color, like mm-hmm. I I get it. I don't know if I agree with it, but like at the same time, like I would rather have this trophy any day than a freaking cup. I agree. Cups suck. <laughs> cup, cups are sweet, man. I just, I just drank a vodka tonic out of a cup, and that was pretty awesome. I mean, I, I just, I just drank some milk out of a cup <laughs> too. But you know, I'm not gonna pour a gallon of milk inside my Pro Tour trophy and slam it back, right? To be fair, I would consider it not milk, <laughs> vodka tonic. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just get blitzed off a Pro Tour trophy. I wonder who would vomit first. You drinking a trophy full of vodka tonic or me drinking a trophy full of milk? Someday if we ever have giant cups (laughs) from winning magic things, we can try this out. (laughs) So I think we're safe on not having to worry about this. But, all right. Good Good question, though. So if you want to let us know how you feel about cups, you can send us an email at thelocometa at gmail.com. You can catch us on Twitter at thelocometapc. John, anything else? Nope, I'm good. (laughs) You you got it all out of your system. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, then. We will catch you next time. See you.